Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Before we start, I have news. We now have a phone number. If you have a word that you want us to cover, you can call in, leave us a message, and we might play it on the show. Call 929-499-WORD. That's 929-499-9673. Okay, on to the show. It didn't really taste like anything, but it just sort of coated coated my teeth in this really um, unpleasant way. Today, we're talking about this thing that for centuries, rich people coveted, rubbed on their necks, and ate, all without having any idea what it actually was. If they had known, they might have put their forks right down. From Science Friday, this is Science Diction. I'm Johanna Mayer. Today, we're talking about ambergris. We recently got this email from a listener that we want to share with you. We present Letter from Ben, dramatized by Charles Bergquist, Science Friday director. Subject. Science Diction Suggestion. Hello, Johanna. I've listened to almost all of the Science Diction podcasts, with plans to finish them all, of course, and I love the show. It's right up my alley, mixing an interest in linguistics, science, human nature, and the odd little corners of our collective history. It's great. I heard in one of the episodes that you take suggestions. I have a good one, I think, and it starts like this. When I was around 11 or 12, I was flipping through the dictionary and reading about random words. Yes, proud word nerd here. And I came across the word ambergris. The definition sparked my imagination, wonder, and it had enough of the what? gross factor that I memorized the definition. And to this day, I'm now over 40, I can recite it as a party discussion starter. For it is loaded with story. And then Ben gives us the definition. Ambergris. A grayish, waxy substance found floating in tropical seas, believed to originate in the intestines of a sperm whale, used in perfumery as a fixative. Ben then goes on to lovingly dissect the definition for us. Note how this stuff is only found in tropical seas. What can that mean? And what is this stuff? Whale up, Chuck? And how do people figure out that they could put whale vomit on their necks to hold a scent? Can you imagine people walking around smelling good, stylishly sporting whale reflux? Ben basically outlines an entire show that we could produce, inspired by this definition he'd memorized as a kid. But that definition, it's a little off. Mm, It's, you know, mostly right, but pretty wishy-washy on details. To get the real story of ambergris, we called in an expert. Uh, My name's Christopher Kemp. Christopher Kemp, author of Floating Gold, a natural and unnatural history of ambergris. First things first, ambergris does come from sperm whales. That part's right. But you can find ambergris in a bunch of different places, not just tropical seas. Okay, so um, sperm whales are what's known as a cosmopolitan species. So that means they just they, they travel anywhere. You know, their their real needs are things like uh, ocean that's deep enough and food that's plentiful enough and, and those kind of things. So as long as they have those uh, conditions, 
they will be found in those places. People comb beaches all over the world to find ambergris. New Zealand, South Africa, Sri Lanka, even have trained dogs on the scent because it is incredibly valuable. A genuine lump of ambergris can be worth tens of thousands of dollars, even millions. But in the U.S., if you find a lump of ambergris, maybe just leave it alone. It's illegal to trade in anything that comes from endangered species. In articles about ambergris discoveries, you usually see a picture of the proud new owner holding up this big, blotchy, honestly kind of hideous lump. And the headline will say something about how lucky they are to have found this valuable chunk of whale vomit. Except what these people are holding? Almost certainly not whale vomit. That's an idea that's, that has been really difficult to get rid of, but it's just not, it's, it's not on it either. For centuries, ambergris was a mystery. These gray, waxy, rock-like things would just wash ashore from time to time. And by the 15th century, they were given the name ambergris. Or if you're from the UK, like Chris, ambergris. It's a French word, uh, ambergris. Ombre gris, gray amber. And it's just to distinguish it from from amber, you know, the fossilized resin. A lump of ambergris looks pretty much like a rock, except it smells. It's like compost, old churches, um, warm kind of animal smell, sometimes even like touches of vanilla and brine. It smells briny like the ocean and like ozone, like wide open spaces. It's really. It's really, really difficult to describe it. People have used it for many things. To hold a scent in perfumes, as medicine. Casanova used to have it in chocolate as an aphrodisiac. King Charles II used to grate it on his scrambled eggs. That was one of his favorite dishes. Chris actually tried it on eggs himself. It didn't really taste like anything, but it just sort of coated coated my teeth in this really um, unpleasant way just really couldn't get rid of that sort of slimy feeling. People had plenty of theories about what they were putting in their cocoa and grating on their eggs. Like, it was a mushroom that grew at the bottom of the ocean that no one had ever seen. Or dragon spit. But in the 1700s, whalers in Nantucket finally solved the mystery. The whaling industry at the time was really ramping up in New England, churning out thousands of barrels of whale oil each year. And whalers were building these ships that took them farther and farther out into the Atlantic Ocean, where they started catching sperm whales. And when they cut the sperm whales open, they would sometimes discover these lumps of what looked kind of like ambergris. Just last year, some genetic analysis was done on a lump of ambergris and confirmed what the whalers knew, that it comes from sperm whales. And even though ambergris almost certainly isn't whale vomit, it is a case of digestion gone wrong. Sperm whales, just because of their huge size, they eat enormous amounts of squid, up to a ton of squid a day. And the squid is very soft and digestible, but it has this beak that sort of almost resembles a parrot's beak, and that's very hard and durable. And that isn't easily digested by the sperm whale. So, if all goes well, the whale digests all the soft, fleshy parts of the squid 
vomits up the hard, indigestible beaks. That is upchuck. <laughs> that, that is vomit. And that's normal. That's business as usual. But in maybe 1% of sperm whales, those hard beaks make it past the stomach and find their way into the intestines of the whale, forming this ball of feces and squid beaks that just grows and grows. Robert Clark was a world expert on ambergris, and he believed that the whale could live like this for a while. But eventually, this boulder might completely block the rectum and kill the whale, which would make ambergris a case of lethal constipation. Yes, that's, and that's not even a euphemism. That sounds worse. <laughs> that sounds worse than what it is. It's lethal constipation. Yeah. In his book, Christopher describes how ambergris goes from compacted feces inside of a dead whale to luxury product. And it's kind of beautiful. The dead whale, now adrift on the open seas, slowly begins to swell. Within hours, the stinking carcass will be surrounded by sharks, drawn to the blood in the water like iron filings to a magnet. Makos and blues, mostly. From the air, gulls, storm petrels and shearwaters will arrive in a noisy tangle and settle in the water around the bloated corpse, which has begun to trail a greasy slick of oil behind it through the waves. The smaller fish will feed on it from below, tearing the flesh into strips and fighting over it among themselves. At some point, the ruptured intestines will be torn open by scavengers and the ambergris will fall into the ocean. The whale carcass will become a floating bounty of food in a challenging and competitive place. The feeding frenzy lasts for weeks before the remains take one last dive down through the mesopelagic zone and into darkness. In a reversal of fortunes, the benthic crabs and the octopuses will take their turn with whatever is left, picking any remaining flesh from the sturdy white bones on the seafloor. And miles above, Set upon the lurching swell, the ambergris has begun its journey. Freshly expelled, the black and viscous ambergris, which is slightly less dense than seawater, rises slowly, ascending through the frigid ocean currents. Eventually it reaches the surface, where it floats in the chop, forgotten and mostly submerged, sometimes for years. It can ride the swell of the southern oceans for decades, Back on land a thousand miles away, life continues. At sea, the ambergris floats. It bubs and rolls through cyclones and equatorial heat, from the tropics to the stillness of the doldrums, where it might be stalled for months. It picks up speed in the horse latitudes. It turns poleward and then back again. It gets trapped in ocean gyres, large rotating oceanic current systems that pieces of flotsam can spend years navigating. This journey cannot be substituted. Like wine in a bottle, ambergris slowly matures at sea. Gradually a molecule at a time it reacts with its surroundings until, oxidised by salt water, degraded by sunlight, eroded by wave action. It's beached somewhere along a remote and windswept coastline, much like Long Beach, or dumped by a storm onto a busy and populated stretch of sand like Breaker Bay, inside of a large metropolitan city like Wellington. Or it washes up somewhere on the Somali coastline, or in the Chatham Islands, or the Philippines, or Northern California, or on a wet little bay in Wales. 
Okay, hope that works. And there's your show. I would definitely tune into that. But if you decide my suggestion is not worthy, that's okay. I will continue to listen to your wonderful podcast. Thanks for doing it. Cheers, Ben. Thanks for the show, Ben. If you also have a show for us, write us at podcasts at sciencefriday.com or even better, leave us a message on our brand new phone number, 929-499-WORD. That's 929-499-9673. This episode was hosted and produced by our senior producer and editor, Ella Fetter, and me. And Ben Gardner, thank you for the wonderful suggestion. We had fact-checking help from Robin Palmer. Our music was composed by Daniel Peterschmidt. If you want to learn more about Ambergris, you might want to read Christopher Kemp's book, Floating Gold. We'll have a link up on our site. Nadia Ortelt is our chief content officer. She recently opened the world's most hygienic and punctual Splish Splash water park. Mm, It's... You know, mostly right, but pretty wishy-washy on details. We'll be back soon with another show.